It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, it's easy to say a team got old, somebody retired, but the details of a great franchise's demise can be a lot more interesting. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, let's get the show going. I'm prepared. Papers are ready. They are written on with <laughs> some very vital information for today's show. Uh, NFL historians, you already know. Lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you. If you already know this stuff, that's great. You know, that's that's just great. But just remember that there are those who don't. There's someone out there that doesn't know this stuff that we talk about every week. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, bellyupsports.com. Go on it. Click on it. Enjoy the content. Not just the shows. We have great writers as well. And you can catch us on our home base of Spreaker. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. So, getting this party started, uh, we've gone all the way back to the 1920s, starting with the Canton Bulldogs. And talking about not just the great teams, because everybody talks about and and goes on about the great teams, um, the dynasties of the decades and everything. But nobody talks about how they went down, how they ended. You know, of course, everybody knows uh, the, the way that the different ways to go down um, or no longer be uh, a really good team anymore. It could be the age and the retirement. It can be a coach leaves. Um, it could be injuries and all those things. We've said this over and over and over. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's great to know some of the other details that go into it because, that, I mean, that stuff, the stories behind some of these franchises, 
Uh, and not just the dynasties either. We've got really good teams that were championship-level teams as well that could have been sustained, but they weren't because of multiple reasons. Okay, let's just put it that way. So we, we've talked about the Chicago Bears having a great run all the way back to their start as the Decatur Staley's. Of course, 63 was when they won their last championship before winning it all again with that great 85 Bears team. Of course, they had uh, the Super Bowl against Peyton and them boys uh, with the Colts. And they, they lost that one, but that was a, their first Super Bowl appearance in a long time. Bears fans are starved for this. And how do you get there? You know, how, how does it get to be in such a great, respectable franchise from the beginning of the NFL and then, you know, you're kind of spotty after the 63 season. But a lot of factors go into that. And the fans of these franchises, they know a lot better than we do uh, who are fran fans of other teams, of those who don't pay attention to those details. We also talked about the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants and the great runs that they had. If you listen, you've also found out that the Cleveland Browns, they weren't the only great team of the 1950s. It was the Detroit Lions. We talked about them last week and the supposed curse that kind of took them out. <laughs> it was a lot more than that, but listen to the show. Um, the point of all of these shows the last couple of weeks has been to not talk about how the teams continue to dominate during their time or how they dominated during their time, but what led to their decline. And each of these stories behind all of these great teams is interesting. Not everybody got older, they retired. For example, Washington. They were a pretty good football team, tracing all the way back to their first championship season in 1937, only a couple of years after their team's inception. And if George Preston Marshall, who was a racist, allows black players on his teams before being forced by the Kennedy administration uh, by 1962 to have black players on your team, or you're not going to be able to play at your stadium that you signed a 30-year lease on, well, maybe they win more championships. You know, maybe they get to a uh, championship before Super Bowl seven after the man is dead and gone, you know, when they did have some black players on their team. So uh, you have to look at those kind of things. It's really, really interesting. Let's get this out there, though. In the 1970s, there were actually that that was my favorite decade of pro football. I was born in 1977. I actually grew to love football in the 80s, but. My love for the game really developed in the 1990s, but historically speaking, the 70s were my favorite decade of pro football. It wasn't so much watching it as it was the actual teams. I mean, you go back, you watch old games and Super Bowls, you can pull them up on YouTube. You know, you can watch them come on the NFL Network. Since the NFL Network has been around, they've been showing all those old uh, Super Bowl memory type things and as well as having the um, America's game, the Super Bowl, the story behind the entire season, not just the Super Bowl in 30 minutes like ESPN had and that they replay, especially in January uh, and leading up, you know, going through the playoffs and playing the NFL's greatest games and things like that. They do that a lot more now. But going back and watching the entire games, some of the stuff is not very easy on the eyes. You know, guys running up into the line, bang, bang, bang. I mean, watching football now is a lot more exciting. Um, but I think what it was is just knowing who was on the team, seeing the great players uh, of the time going all the way through the 80s and a majority of the 90s before free agency pretty much would take teams apart. 
you know, after a guy would be there only a couple of years. I mean, you watch football now, and the offseason is what we we wait for. Who's going to be traded? Who's going to be released? Who's going to be signed? Uh, Where's this great player going to next? Not like it was back in the old days where a guy stayed. Nothing's really new under the sun, but, you know, nobody was moving around back then. Of course, there are reasons why. If you look at listen to some of my past shows, you know, I talked about that before and how free agency pretty much developed all the way up going up to uh, 1992 and Reggie White. But uh, that's just one of those many things that intrigued me about the 1970s and the 1980s because I could name the entire starting lineup a good number of years in a row. You know, it's not just an offensive lineman that stays put, you know, or the quarterback for the most part that stays put. Uh, You had all the other skill positions that stayed put. Unless someone retired or unless someone, you know, decided you know or they got hurt or something like that so that was it was and everybody talks about the 70s Steelers for example during that decade yes that is my favorite team and yes again that's my favorite decade of pro football but there were other teams that dominated and we're going to talk about one of them right now the 70s Dallas Cowboys so of course the Dallas Cowboys they were born in the night in 1960 and after sticking it up for the first couple of years of their existence, they finally got on the right track, all right? Towards the end of the 60s, they challenged the Green Bay Packers two years in a row in order for the right to appear in the Super Bowl. Both times, Super Bowl one and two, both times the Cowboys lost in the final minute of the game. That included the famous Ice Bowl in 1967 uh, on the way to the Packers' first Super Bowl championship against the Chiefs. Uh, the 60s Cowboys, they won 50% of their games and had four playoff appearances. The 1970s would be much different. You had two versions of the Dallas Cowboys, the late 60s and the early 70s Cowboys. And then you had the mid to late, you know, Cowboys heading into the 80s. It was a little bit different. I'll explain. So. The 1970s Cowboys, after their humble beginnings, and they was losing not only to Green Bay, but also to Cleveland Browns. Uh, They finally get to the Super Bowl in 1970 against the Baltimore Colts. And the Colts, you know, they pretty much, you know, you have these back-to-back seasons where you're losing in the final minute. I mean, what, Don Meredith throws an interception in the end zone when they played uh, down there in in Dallas. Um, Not at, you know, the home uh, stadium for the for for the uh, Dallas Cowboys, but you know they, they just picked off in the in the end zone, right? And then of course you had the Ice Bowl the year before that. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, they're always you know, they developed into a really great franchise or good some really good teams. Finally having some quality players and Meredith, who was a pretty good quarterback during his time before he went into broadcasting. Some people know, oh, he was, you know, now on the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, you know, just like. Uh, Troy Eggman, and now uh, I wonder if Dak Prescott is going to follow that and be in the booth too. <laughs> but you got Troy Eggman doing it for Fox or whatever, uh, was doing it for Fox. Uh, and now you got Tony Romo doing it as well and commanding some big money to do so. Um, but, you know, Danny Don, you know, he goes to Monday Night Football. But during his time as playing, he was really good at what he did. And he led some pretty good Cowboys teams, you know, for Tom Landry, but they just couldn't get over the hump. And the Cleveland Browns, same thing, you know, late 60s, uh, they developed, uh, they pretty much put them out of their misery 
during the playoffs and some of those runs and cut them short. But in 70, they finally pushed through the Super Bowl five only to lose by a last second field goal to the Colts. Uh, then 1971 turns everything around. 1971 was something that they needed uh, really badly in Dallas. They couldn't continue to lose, not only in the playoffs, but in these championship games. 71, Super Bowl six, they play against the Miami Dolphins, led by Don Shula, Manny Fernandez, Bob Greasy, and an old Cleveland Browns nemesis, Paul Warfield, who was one of the guys that was a thorn in the side of the Cowboys. They beat them 24-3 in New Orleans. And, of course, to that point, that was the only team in Super Bowl history that did not score a touchdown. Cowboys defense you know, was very, very good that day. And what's ironic is that the year before, the only Super Bowl loser to win an MVP award, Chuck Howley, won it in Super Bowl V. I'm sure he didn't want it. <laughs> that was the only solace that the Cowboys had, and I'm sure that they didn't take it. Then they go to Super Bowl X, uh, against the Steelers. They lost that one. You know, the Steelers dynasty, they won back-to-back. 77, they came through again. Tony Dorsett comes in as a rookie. And Staubach and company, they take apart the Denver Broncos in another great defensive performance. And Staubach had a pretty good game, too. But, you know, you got two defenders who, again, walk away with the Super Bowl MVP. 78, they go right back the next year, losing to Pittsburgh. Should have been a third time in a row, you thought, uh, in 1979. And you appear in all of these Super Bowls in the 70s and develop all of these great stars, you know, going through from the late 60s, going into the the late 70s. And some of these guys, you know, had, had left and then some came in to replace them. I'll go through the list. Bob Lilly, Cliff Harris, Bob Hayes, Bull, Bullet Bob Hayes, Chuck Howley. Leroy Jordan, Drew Pearson, Tony Dorsett, Mel Renfro, Rayfield Wright, Randy White, Too Tall Jones, of course, Roger Staubach, Hollywood Henderson when he wasn't snorting uh, blow. <laughs> uh, and you know, you had all of these other great supporting players and, and the supporting cast, not to mention Tom Landry, Gil Brandt, who's bringing these guys in as a scout and GM, and Tex Schramm, who was a cheap guy uh, who didn't want to pay his great players. Yes, I said it. And even in that 71 Super Bowl, they they brought in some players that were Hall of Famers that were at the end of the role, but they played an important part. Lance Allworth, who was a Hall of Fame receiver all those years with the San Diego Chargers. Mike Dicker, you know him, uh, not just as the the coach of the Chicago Bears and that 85 Bears Super Bowl champion but he was a great tight end for the Bears before moving on to the Eagles before finishing his career with the Dallas Cowboys and was an integral part both of these guys were integral parts in winning that Cowboys first championship game you know that first Super Bowl ring and then Dwayne Thomas who was a great running back that just didn't want to do right and part of it because he didn't have like dealing with Tex Schramm uh, and then there's some other things. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. Jackie Smith, I mean, he came through after being a Hall of Famer for the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, he dropped a touchdown pass. And I forget the Cowboys announcer in Super Bowl 13. They could have taken the lead or tied the game, I think it was, against Pittsburgh. I think it was in the third quarter or early fourth. He was wide open in the end zone. And Jackie Smith drops the ball. And the announcer goes... Uh, touchdown dropped dropped oh jackie smith he's got to be the sickest man in america he just laid there <laughs> he was 
heard all the great receptions that he had. When I say the name Jackie Smith, that's the only play that I think about. Old Cowboys fans probably just hit, put their head in their hands right now. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But in the 1970s, you know, for all the great things that the Pittsburgh Steelers did and how great that they were and having four championships in six years, the Cowboys went to five Super Bowls during that era. Five. You know, you count that. That was the most. Although in, they didn't win all of them, but they went. And their winning percentage in the 1970s, Landry and those boys, they turned it around. They won 75, almost 76% of their games. Their record in the 1970s, 105-39-0. Ten years, nine times they went to the playoffs. Two championships and five Super Bowl appearances. And their playoff record, 13-7. 13-7. I mean, there's a lot of teams that wish they had that, that wasn't hoisting a Super Bowl championship trophy. So how did all of that come to an end? It seems it always came down to the quarterback, didn't it? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, 1979, the Dallas Cowboys, they were 11 and 5, right? Into the playoffs and they were one of the teams that were picked to go back to the Super Bowl again. I mean, why not? You've been five times already and your team is primed. You got a young great running back in in uh, Tony Dorsett and a quarterback like <laughs> Roger Staubach and you got Drew Pearson and Tony Hill and all you know all these great players you know, you're supposed to go back right that that was what you're thinking well the Los Angeles Rams <laughs> were thinking a little bit differently just a little bit differently again the Cowboys they finished the season at 11 and 5 the Rams were 9 and 7 and I think if I remember correctly uh, their owner had drowned in the pool uh, so, you know, I think it was, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the name of the owner. Uh, I'll get it one day. But, I mean, they, they had a lot of stuff going on. Pat Hayden, who was the starting quarterback for the Rams that year, he had got injured. And then you have Vince Ferragamo. We've talked about him before. He took over for, as quarterback. And um, he led them through the rest of the, uh, the regular season, the end of the regular season, going into the playoffs. And they upset the Cowboys. The Cowboys, uh, they, they, everyone thought that they were going to win uh, that game. And it was going to be a third, uh, the round three with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that was an easy gimme. But no, nah, a wild card team upset them at home and sent them home packing. Uh, but then another gut punch. Roger Staubach decides to retire. March 31st, 1980, uh, I think it was, it was, um, I think it was a head injury that he, a concussion that he suffered, and he thought that he would be able to get through it, and it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. He decided, look, enough's enough. 
I'll take I'll take this and uh, I'm just going to have to have a seat. And then that's going to be it. So who takes over? Danny White. Quarterback Danny White, who I believe thought that he should have been the quarterback anyway. And uh, Danny White actually was a pretty decent quarterback for, you know, all what it's worth. And the Cowboys didn't fall off that bad. I mean, not that bad. It was more of a gradual thing. But once again, there's a story behind everything. Um, in 1980, the Cowboys were 12 and 4. They didn't fall off. They actually had a better record the next year with Danny White. They get to the NFC Championship game, and they're beaten by the Philadelphia Eagles, who go on to the Super Bowl. They lose in Super Bowl 15 to the Oakland Raiders, uh, the first wild card team to win the Super Bowl. As it, and keep this in mind. Uh, the Super Bowl before that, the Rams probably would have been the first, but uh, you had some heroics uh, by John Stallworth and Terry Bradshaw. And then, of course, if I believe, it's just me, even as a Steelers fan, I have to be admitting to this, that Pittsburgh Steelers defense was getting old, and Ferengamo and those Rams were moving the ball up and down the field and had Ferengamo seen Billy Waddy running wide open and hit him for a touchdown, I think that that game may have been over. Possibly. Possibly. All right, just possibly. But instead, Ferragamo throws the ball over the middle and it's picked off by, uh, I think it was Lambert. Jack Lambert picked him off, and then that was it. And then, you know, the Steelers put them away, and then that was that. Well, the Rams uh, would not – it wouldn't be over. It wouldn't be the last time that the Dallas Cowboys would have their season ruined by the Rams. And, of course, we know what happened in 1981 – they get to the NC NFC Championship game again. Now this time, the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana, the catch happens. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. And then in 82, what happens? Yes, they get back to the NFC Championship game again. This time, uh, the Washington football team, all due respect, they were 6-3 and three in that strike-shortened season. And they make it to the NFC Championship game again. And Washington takes care of it. Puts them out of their misery again. So close, but never able to get over the hump. It's almost like they went backwards. They went backwards. And strangely enough, by the end of the 82 season, and after three straight NFC Championship games, it's like, it's like they had officially returned to where they were at the end of the 60s. And I quote from... Joe Nick Potosky's book, The Dallas Cowboys, and they, he said that they were, quote, coming close, but not going all the way was officially a trend, end quote. It's crazy. Now, 1983, the Cowboys finished 12-4 again. Again, their record is not bad. They're not falling off and being a bad team. They're not. They're 12-4. And, and then they lose to the Rams. Here they come again in the divisional playoff game. In 1984, they were 9 7, no playoffs. In 1985, they were 10 6, and that was the last winning season under head coach Tom Landry. 10 6, and guess what? They lost to the Rams again in the divisional playoffs. I mean, I'm sure, and I can't, I have no idea, but if I was a Cowboys fan, I would have been hating the Rams. Hating the Rams. Going all the way back to 1979, they're always throwing a wrench in our season <laughs> over and over again. And they lost to the Rams 
in that playoff game. And this time, this is after Eric Dickerson ran for a then playoff record 248 yards. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And so, the, and I'm gonna have to throw this in there too. So, you wonder about the, the players and everything. I don't have the details on everybody, but I mean, you know, people retired. You know, Bob Lilly and guys like that, they retired. Um, Hollywood Henderson, who was a really great linebacker, but the guy got cut. He wasn't he wasn't acting right. Uh, Too Tall Jones, I think he went and ventured into boxing for a while, and then came back, and then that was it for him. Charlie Waters, you know, the great safety, he ended up being injured. Eventually, he had led to his retirement. Um, and, and, and not to mention, uh, oh, man. I didn't know that. I, I, just something that I learned. I told you, I'm here to enlighten, teach, and learn. You talk about Drew Pearson. Pearson, as the story goes, he actually had a few too many drinks. Uh, I think it was after a charity basketball game or something. And when they landed, you know, he he and his brother were driving home, you know, after after having a couple of pops. And I think he fell asleep at the wheel or something. And he goes up under a truck and it killed his brother. He, ended, he suffered pretty much a career-ending injury, so to speak. And then that was it for Drew Pearson. Uh, not to mention, if you go all the way back to the early 80s, that Landry, Tom Landry, had lost some really great assistant coaches. You had Dan Reeves, who left for Denver in the early 80s, and as did Mike Dicker. He took the Chicago Bears job. So, and like I said, you have those retirements of those important cogs on that defensive side, like Charlie Waters and D.D. Lewis, and Too Tall was getting old. Harvey Martin retired by 1984. And, of course, Drew Pearson. And then he had Tony Hill. Um, John Fitzgerald. I think he was like the center. Uh, one of those great centers that they had on the offensive line. So, I mean, you had a lot of different factors. Yes, you did have those kind of factors. But ultimately, in the 80s, bad drafts actually caught up with the Cowboys. One player of note, though, that they did bring in, you know who he is, Herschel Walker. Drafted in 1985, of course, he didn't join the Cowboys until after the USFL went out of business. And then he joins the Cowboys, and Tony Dorsett is still there. Tony Dorsett does not want to share carries with another running back. One, I'm probably looking at your side eye anyway because you drafted another running back, and I'm still great. Well, I mean, uh, look, some teams know better than others. Cowboys fans, where do you fall on that? At, you know, when that happened at the time? Well, I mean, I think that it was proven to be a good decision because Tony Dorsett, uh, I mean, you already know what happened. Dorsett ended up finishing his last season in Denver. He wanted out, you know, in Dallas, and he, he got what he wanted. And he, he ended up being hurt, and he ended up having to retire, you know, after running for about, what, about 700 yards for, the, you know, one year he did play for, for the Broncos. And, of course, Tom Landry was fired by the new owner, Jerry Jones, in 1989 and replaced him with Jimmy Johnson. But if you do look on the bright side, Cowboys fans, you know what happened. The Cowboys' failures in the 80s actually set up the dynasty of the 90s. The Cowboys were being so bad in 1988, gave them the first overall pick in 1989, Troy Eggman. The year before that, you had Michael Irvin, who was already there, and then Jimmy Johnson pulled off that great trade by using Herschel Walker. Genius. All right, that's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballReference.com, also ProFootballHallOfFame.com. 
Bleacher Report, the worst of times, the Dallas Cowboys deflating decade. This article was written by Gene Strother. This is December 19th. Hey, that's my anniversary. December 19th, 2009. Not 2009. It goes back further than that. Uh, also, the book, The Dallas Cowboys, the outrageous history of the biggest, loudest, and most hated, best lo loved football team in America. Written by Joe Nick Patowski. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Billy Up Sports, the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Also, BillyUpSports.com. Again, click on it. Check us out. Uh, also, you can hear all of our shows, all of them, on Spreaker. That's our home base. And, of course, you know, for you iPhone people uh, and, and multiple others, there's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and your family about this show, or I will find your house. I'm out. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.